What's up, Mindset Money and More family? Listen, over the next 21 days, we're doing something very, very unique right here on the podcast. So if you're listening, listen a little harder. So over the next 21 days, we're gonna be following a 21-day financial fast. Now, I want you to know that even if you don't share the same beliefs, because this is built on biblical principle, you can still take so much from this fast, right? The the concept of fasting is the self-denial, the obedience, the discipline. And honestly, those are things that your average person struggles with, even outside of finances. So in the 21-day financial fast, we're, we're doing this as a group, as a community. There is also a Facebook community, and that link will be in the comments of every episode for you guys if you want to join us there to get a visual, to be on video with us, and really do this as a community, right? Money-making is a team sport. Getting better with money can be a team sport. And so... Over the next 21 days, we're going to go through some foundational things because your foundation has to be built the right way, like with anything else. And then we're going to get into some really practical things about budgeting, saving, credit cards, your credit, investing, budgeting. I mean, so many different things for you to really experience that increase in your financial life. And so, like I said, even if you have different beliefs, then the ones that are being shared just know that you can still take a lot of the practical things to level up so who is the financial fast for you guys honestly it can be for anyone it can be for the person right now listening who feels like man i have more month than money i need some help maybe you're the person that's like i need a budget and i need to stick to it because i know my spending habits are great maybe you're the person that's like i want to learn about investing and i don't know where to start Or maybe you're that person that's struggling to still get out of an overdraft fee cycle. And maybe you might be the person listening that's like, hey, I'm a pretty good money manager. I just want to take this to another level, right? I want to level up in my wealth building or whatever that looks like. But this can really be for anyone. So I'm super excited to share this with you guys. Make sure that you do this together. Share this podcast episode with someone so that they can listen on their way to work or in the car while they're waiting at the soccer game, wherever they may find themselves. Because when you are able to pass on information to someone else that can be life-changing, if they apply it, you have now been a catalyst for them to be able to change their life. So let's get started. Again, under every single episode, you will have the link to the Facebook community where we are doing this together on video every single day. And I cannot wait to hear your success story coming out of the financial fast. Let's go. day two. And man, if your life is busy at all, you know that it can be a challenge to fit all the things in to really still make this a priority. And, you know, I know for us, and we're going to talk about this transparently in day two, some of the struggles that I was having um, just in regards to the financial fast and having to be intentional to remember that I'm on the financial fast. Okay. And so let me tag a couple of friends that are doing the fast with us so that they can hop on and get the value that they are here for. So let me know when you guys tune in live, what's going on. All right, hang on, you guys. I'm just tagging a couple of people. Make sure you tag one of your money friends that you're doing this financial fast with.
All right, I'm missing someone. Hey, hey, I see you, queen. What's going on? How are you doing? All right. So, wow. It, I, I'm still recovering, if you will, from the call that we just got off of. That was absolutely incredible. You guys, if you don't have a circle that is inspiring you every single day, that is really um, bringing you to this place of realizing that you need to get back to dreaming big, um, it's time for that. So I hope that in this financial fast, that even inspires you, right? To, to really do the things and, and really have the lifestyle that you want. So day two, let's dive in. For those of you guys who might be catching this on the replay, thank you so much for being here. I don't take it for granted to be able to host this 21 day financial fast. I am extremely grateful to be able to do this alongside you because this is not about perfection. This is about incremental progress every single day. And if that's what we focus on, we will inevitably get to the results that we're working for. So for those of you who are new to joining us, I will give you a quick recap of who I am. I am Francis. I live out in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm a mom. I'm a soon-to-be wife. My kids are eight and three. And I'm very passionate about financial education, financial literacy, really fighting for financial peace, which is something that we focus on in the financial fast, as well as um, being a digital income coach, showing people that there is a different way to achieve success and that they are capable, they're worth it. And for us to do this journey alongside one another, because the truth is the statistics about women specifically are way too low for me to feel okay about. But just keep it real. They're way too low. So if you're a woman and you're doing this financial fast, kudos to you. You're already taking charge of a financial future that they maybe have convinced you that you're not capable of or you're not worthy of. And I'm here to tell you that if you commit, if you do the things during this financial fast required, you can accelerate, you can elevate, you can increase um the, the financial side to your life. What's up, ladies? I see you hopping on. Make sure you tag a money friend. I just know I'm forgetting to tag a couple of women. And I I really, I'm trying to think of who it was. I was specifically just talking to someone about getting ready to hop on here. Okay, I just remembered. All right, so let's kick this off. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, girl? So tag a friend, tag a friend, tell them we're on, tell them to come catch the replay. The good thing about when you tag them is if they're not available, they'll be able to catch the replay. So um, hopefully that gives you some insight into who I am. I'm so fired up from this other call that I just got off of. I cannot even explain it. And I just hope in my heart that you guys experience that overflow that I just got from that call and you receive that tonight on day two of the 21 day financial fast. So let's recap really quick from yesterday. Who did yesterday's assignment? The daily assignment yesterday for day one was make a list of your potential obstacles that are keeping you from um, doing the financial fast and then have somewhat of a statement or a plan of how you can eliminate those things. Did anybody do the assignment? Keep it real. Don't lie. The financial fast is not going to be beneficial to you if you don't keep it real with yourself. Okay. And so um, I want to share one of mine with you guys just as 
inspiration, hopefully, and just transparency that we really are doing this together. Okay. So I'll be really honest with you. One of mine, um, my potential obstacle, okay. You have to be very careful with your words because words are powerful, but one of my potential obstacles is, um, the season that me and my fiance are in right? We have a a very clear, definite chief aim of what needs to get accomplished in the next couple months by a certain date. And sometimes our days are really crazy from waking up and pouring into ourselves, right? Me going to the gym this morning, shout out to him because he just makes the time and allows me to go do the things that I could fuel myself with, like the gym and fuel me so that I could show up better, right? And then cook today, because I'll tell you what another obstacle was, okay? And so one potential obstacle was, man, we have all these things that we do on a daily basis, like anyone else. And sometimes you look up, like today, we had already factored in buying the kids their fall clothes. So that was something that we had to stick to and go do today, because it was it was already planned prior to the financial fast, purposely, right? So you look up and it's almost seven o'clock and he's like, he's the one keeping me on track. Cause he's like, I'm just, I'm going to stop at the store. I'll go get the food. And he cooked. And so that is a potential obstacle that I had listed because man, endless shrimp just started at Red Lobster. Okay. And then Olive Garden tried to be the devil today and sent me a text message talking about it's national pasta day. First of all, who even made that up? Cause I don't got time who made that up. And so I had that listed as a potential obstacle, right? Because between the everyday things, plus kids, plus careers, plus businesses, plus trading, plus all the things, sometimes you're like, Oh, with inflation, <laughs> this kind of adds up to the same thing, right? If we just buy something to eat. And so that is a real potential obstacle. So I just want to ask you guys for any of you guys that might have done the financial fast, Um, what was a potential obstacle that you had listed out? Or if you haven't sat down to do it and you're hearing this, what is a potential obstacle that you feel like, oh, yeah, that could potentially get in the way if I'm not careful. And so I just wanted to share that with you because honestly, you guys, life, life be lifing, okay? Life, life be lifing. And the the other bigger truth is that we can't allow that to be our continuous excuse to not do the things that we said we would. So here I am with my water. As much as I want to drink the kids Capri Sun, I'm not going to. I'm going to drink this water and mind my business on the financial fast. So what is day two all about? First things first, day two is a promise to prosperity. Y'all, day two is about to be real good. So I really suggest for you to share this out I suggest for you to let people know that we're live because, man, when I tell you that day two is crazy powerful, and I'm actually going to go ahead and share this out into um, another group for anyone that might need to come on. So give me just a moment.
All right. So I just want to make sure that I share that because I know there's a couple of people in a different group that weren't able to catch this live with us because technology not letting me stream into two groups. I don't know what's going on, but I'll figure it out by day five, I promise. <laughs> and so let's dive into day two. Day two is a promise of prosperity. And man, okay, so I love how it's kind of a love-hate relationship, how at the top of every day has like uh, 20 days to go. <laughs> God will provide, right? Um, I love that because it's kind of, it, it's love-hate, like, dang, we got 20 days to go, right? But at the same time, it's so powerful because it really puts you in the driver's seat, again, to do the things that you said you were going to do. So the main point for day two is God promises prosperity. And I need someone to hear that. I need someone to know that because if you were raised in really rough um in a really hard financial situation, if you were raised just not having a lot of anything, maybe you have this limiting belief that tells you that you're not worthy of prosperity or that you don't deserve success or prosperity. I need you to, to get that out of your mind. I need you to know that God promises prosperity. And that is the main point in day two. And again, you know, it may not even be your own fault that you feel like, man, am I even worthy of having a better financial situation? Can I, am I going to be able to handle it? Is it for someone like me? First things first, you have to know that he promises prosperity. And we're going to break some things down in day two. And the pledge for today, okay? So let's pledge together. The pledge for today is, to find the key to wealth, I have to understand that prosperity comes with conditions. I must follow God's will and the word for my life. All right, who's pledging with me? So now let's dive in to day two because it is absolutely powerful. So the Michelle, the author, opens up day two with a really kind of heartbreaking story. Let's keep it real, right? Like it wasn't happy news when we started day two. And she goes in talking about Juanita. Now we talked about Juanita yesterday in day one. So Juanita, her husband had asked for a divorce and she went to a presentation that Michelle was having at church and She's in shambles. She's like, what am I going to do? I'm in over $100,000 of debt. I, I, how can I turn my financial life around? I'm living, I'm going to still be living in a house that I cannot afford, right? And so she was really broken and beaten down. And I want you to ask yourself, have you ever been in a financial situation that you have ever felt broken or beaten down? I know I have. It's not the same example, obviously, right, with the whole divorce situation, but I wanted to share this because the story is that important. And so she goes on to say, you know, what, what do I do now that I'm getting divorced and I'm in over $100,000 of debt? What do I do? And... 
<laughs> some people, if you've already read day two, hopefully you have, if not catch up, right? But she goes on to tell her, go get a roommate. Now, I know some of y'all looking at me funky, like, excuse me, I'm not sharing my space with anybody. Hello, huh? Right? But she was desperate. And a lot of times, and I'm going to say this because we just got off of a call where this was emphasized, you need to get around people that can tell you the truth, right? You need to get around people that can guide and counsel you. I call these wisdom companions, right? Not just companions, but wisdom companions. And so in this moment for Juanita, who's getting a divorce and is now in over $100,000 of debt, is living in a house that she cannot afford, Michelle tells her to get a roommate. And Juanita's like, no, no, thank you. I'm good. That sounds real ghetto, okay? And she looked at her like she was crazy. But truth is, how many of us, if someone told you right now, okay, if you say you're struggling that bad financially, go get a roommate. I want you to ask yourself, what would your response be? It would probably be similar, if not worse, than Juanita's. You probably want to fight. Hopefully not, because we're in 2022, right? <laughs> but it's true. Most people would look at her like she's crazy. And that's exactly what Juanita did. But the interesting thing is that Michelle felt like she was giving her good advice. And you might be on here like, shoot, roommate where? I ain't sharing nothing with nobody. I'm not sharing my dove soap. Are you kidding me? And the truth is, people were looking at Michelle like, you didn't even give that girl good advice. Like, she's going through something so hard, and that's all you could tell her is to get a roommate? What? But the truth is... Oh, and by the way, Juanita wanted to cuss her out, but they were at church. So, you know, you, you can't be cussing in a, the, the house of the Lord, okay? But everyone's looking at Michelle like, why are you not offering her up a better solution, basically? And Michelle's like, well, she needs to get a roommate to be able to pay her mortgage. She just said she's in over $100,000 of debt. She just said she's living in a house that she can't afford anymore now that it's just her financially. So Michelle's looking at her like, I'm not about to bail you out and give you money if that's what other people want me to do for you. I'm not doing that. And it's sad that it makes me think of the kind of world that we live in, that as adults, and we're going to get to this part too in day two. As adults, we think that we could just keep getting into all these financial messes and people are just supposed to come clean it up. You have to accept what we, what we talked about yesterday, full responsibility. And so Michelle's just kind of like, <laughs> Juanita, I'm sorry for you, girl. Can't give you no cash. That's off the table. I mean, what other solutions do we want to consider? You said you can't get a second job because you're already overworked. That's not a solution. And you pretty much already cut most of what everything you could cut in your budget as far as expenses go. So what else do you want me to pose as a solution? Get, get a roommate, okay? And so she goes on to talk about how people, 
want God to fulfill this promise of prosperity, but they do not want to change. And remember yesterday we talked about how you, it, you have to grow, you have to change. And so I, I want you to know that if you're on here tonight or on the replay or listening on the podcast for day two, that yes, he promises prosperity, but you have to want to change and actually change, right? A lot of people don't want to give up hard things. They don't want to give up cable. They don't want to give up this. They don't want to give up that, but they want prosperity. And so, you know, she goes she goes further into talking about how shortly after she posed the solution of a roommate to Juanita, right? And I, I'm I'm just saying, you guys, like let, let's really talk about this. If someone, if you went to someone right now and they told you, like you you told them you're struggling financially, you can't afford the place that you live in, and they told you to go get a roommate, what would your reaction be? Would it be similar to Juanita or would you be down? Like, oh, heck yeah, I'm going to go get me a roommate. Most people are going to say no. And it's because you don't like the idea of having to share. And we're going to talk about that selfishness in just a moment. And so Juanita was one of the first participants to do the, the financial fast. And she even said it, she was fighting for her life, you guys. And in the end, she did take Michelle's advice. She took the wise counsel and she got a roommate. And if you read further and you get through Juanita's story, she is forever grateful to Michelle. Why? Because three roommates later, God blessed her in abundance. She was able to become 100% debt-free, right? And initially, she didn't want to simply because she didn't want to share her space. And also because our ego says, our pride says, I don't want people to know that I can't handle everything financially by myself. And that was another one of her reasons why she didn't want to get a roommate. And so I want you to think about this because the point that she's trying to get across is that sometimes we want this prosperity but we're not willing to change. We're not willing to put the pride and the ego to the side. And I once heard a mentor say ego stands for etching God out. And in those moments where Juanita wanted to etch God out so bad and not get that roommate, she decided to commit and to change. She decided to do the things that she didn't want to do because she knows he promises prosperity, but she also knew she had to change. And so I hope that that gets some of you thinking about a time or a situation that maybe you can think about where you were in a difficult financial situation and maybe you didn't um, change or you didn't decide to commit to something for the fear of sharing space or just being embarrassed to say, I can't handle this by myself right now. I'm in a rut, right? Um, so... There's a quote in here that says, I have learned that when our finances are in order, every aspect of our lives is in order as well. Our finances are the foundation on which everything else is based. And I want to I want to talk about this because a lot of people may debate this. A lot of people may be like, oh, it's not all about the money. But check this out. King Solomon wrote, money is the answer for everything in Ecclesiastes 10, 19. And so 
I want you to think about your life and people around you. And when you are more stressed out financially, does it not affect everything else? Does it not put you in this funky mood and you don't want to go to the gym and you don't want to be nice to your partner and you don't want to, you know, go hang and have quality time with friends because it requires money in your mind? And so know that even when we look at our own examples, have we not done that? Does it not affect every other piece of your life in a sense? I personally think it does. And I would love some feedback in the comments if you guys agree. When you are stressed out more financially, would you agree that it it kind of like leaks into other areas of your life? I know it definitely leaks into your abilities as a parent because then you can't do the things that you want to do with your kids or for your kids or take them out for the ice cream or whatever. And so this... This is important to remember because in the word, it even says in John 10, 10, I have come that they may have a life and have it to the full, right? In the version you read, it might say in more abundantly. And of course, in a lot of scriptures, God is talking about spiritual wealth. But on earth, can we agree we need money to survive? Come on, somebody. Because the way this $20 pack of chicken wings be running, I'm like, nobody even needs to eat chicken anyway. (laughs) So we need money to survive, right? And so God's promise of prosperity is there. There's no doubt about it. And let me know in the comments if you believe, like, man, I know that God promises prosperity. He doesn't promise for me to, to just be broke, pay bills, and die. Like, no. I know that he promises prosperity. But you also have to know that this comes with a condition. And I know yesterday we talked about doing the financial fast without condition, right? Until and despite. But today we need to address prosperity, And it coming with condition. I know it's the opposite of what we just talked about. But when I I meant without condition yesterday, I was referring to you doing the fast, you doing the work, you doing the changing, you making the sacrifices. But today with condition, we need to know that his prosperity comes with condition. And the condition is that we have to put God first in all things. Somebody type in that chat, in all things. Because in Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And so that's the condition. And that's what a lot of people struggle with. And so maybe you're asking yourself, like, how do, how do, I, how do I put God first, like more than I already do? Or have a relationship with him. Well, the truth is you need to develop your relationship with him. Because when you don't have a relationship with God, then you won't lean on him for things in your life, for situations in your life, for the good days in your life. If you don't have a relationship with him, you won't lean on him. 
And, and, and so I want to ask you guys a question because this is what comes to my mind. And you'll read that Michelle talks about this too. She talks about how many times have you not waited on God for an answer when it comes to something financially? You try to go fix it yourself. You go get that payday loan. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about those in a second. You go borrow money from that cousin that you know is going to put you on blast at the family barbecue. You go ask your coworker to borrow some money and you know she'd be looking at you funny at work because she wants her money back. We go sell something we shouldn't have sold. You head over to the pawn shop with some regret, right? Because we didn't want to wait patiently on God to give us an answer on what the, the right or the better thing is to do. And so I want you to think about that in your own life. And maybe you're not experiencing anything like that today. I hope not. But people have been in really hard places. So maybe in the past, if you've experienced anything like that, can you agree that it was because, one, we weren't developing our relationship as much with God? And two, because we didn't want to patiently wait? For him to give us an answer. And instead you're like, oh, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get the money by tomorrow at 1 a.m. I'm going to go get this payday loan. Mm -hmm. It's going to fix it. I'll just pay back when I get paid. Not realizing the interest is 10,000%. <laughs> right? Like we've all been in really tough financial stuff. And so she goes, she goes into talking about that because we do that. Because instead of calling on God to help us, we want to lean into our own understanding. And we already talked about that yesterday. That is disastrous, okay? So she goes into talking about payday loans because some pe a, a lot of people actually have turned to them and they end up in really vicious cycles. And I want to talk about this for a moment because of my experience in banking. Payday lenders do not care about you. They don't care about your bank account. They don't care that your kid is sick. They don't care about any of that. And what ends up happening with payday lenders is that their interest is so freaking high, like in the triple digits to a thousand percent interest that someone borrows, they, they go get $300 from this payday lender and they're paying a thousand back, fifteen hundred back on three hundred dollars that they borrow because they were in a desperate situation. They meant well, but they didn't understand that the lender, they're not in business to care about your feelings. And so I want to speak to this because if you're that person that maybe you're stuck in that cycle right now. This is not about being ashamed or embarrassed or feel bad about yourself. This is about, okay, if this is me, if Francis is talking to me right now, what can I do? First things first, you can start with the fact that in a lot of states, it's actually starting to become somewhat illegal for a lot of payday lenders to loan in your state. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're in the state of, I'm going to pick New York because my mom lives there. In the state of New York, back, back months, months and years ago, a lot of these predatory uh, payday loans were acceptable. 
there's not a lot of regulation around them and they just kind of shut down and dip out, right? And so one thing that you can do is look up what are the current um, laws in your specific, because it's state by state. It's not a federal thing. It's not a countrywide thing. It is literally state by state. So if you're that person that you're like, shit, I got some, excuse my French, but I, I got some payday loans and I don't know what to do. They're harassing me. Or maybe you're still paying them back $50 a week for a $200 you borrowed six months ago. I know the game, you guys. And I'm only sharing this with you because it is a way to potentially get freed. I'm not telling you guarantee that it's going to work for you. But what I am saying is that a lot of states have woken up to the predatory lending practices that they have. And now a lot of them are not supposed to legally still be collecting money from some of those payday loans. So if you're a person or you know someone in your life, maybe it's not you, maybe you got a cousin that you know she has horrible habits or got into an emergency and now it's kind of stuck, share that information with her. Tell her, girl, listen, I know you don't talk to me about your business, but I keep hearing you talk about this payday loan and it's okay. I don't know why you took it out. It's not my business, but you might want to look up what the laws are in your state. And better yet, normally for every state, there is an office that you can call specifically for payday lenders that are conducting illegal predatory business in your state. And so if that is you or you know someone and you guys need some help, I, I can't tell you I'm going to find you a guaranteed solution but I can tell you, you can fight a lot of them, especially if they're older, especially if they're more recent, but now some laws have changed. Like there's, there's some things we can look at depending on the state that, that you're in. And so I just wanted to share that because I know that payday loans are still a thing. In 2022, people are still searching up payday loans for bad credit. I know. And so just don't get caught up in that cycle if you can avoid it. And I know most times people get caught up in the cycles because they felt like they were so desperate they couldn't avoid it. But that's exactly what Michelle's talking about, about calling on God and saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. And I know it's only through you. Please guide me. Give me some clarity. Give me some strength and some wisdom so that I can make it through this with you and, and not someone else's worldly wisdom, right? So I wanted to touch on payday loans because they're still really common, you guys. And we got to break these cycles so that the ones after us, the women that we come in contact with, the, the men that we come in contact with, that they don't go into desperate situations thinking that a payday loan is their only option. And so um, other people might even take a loan out against the title of their vehicle. And that's also really risky because when people take loans out against the title of their car, what they don't realize is if you stop paying the loan, now your car is collateral, meaning your car is put up against the loan. And if you don't pay the loan, they take the car. It's that, that simple, but people don't understand it. They just think, oh, well, you know, they'll, they'll give me some grace because they know I have, they know the car is collateral. Nah, they'll take the car. Believe me, you, they will take the car. And so just understand that with these things like payday loans and title loans and 
all these really fast, what you think are solutions in the moment can really, really hurt you later. And if you're that person, you're like, Francis, I still have payday loans. I'm not saying you have to say it in the chat or anything. No, this could be private. You can message me separate. I I'm telling you from experience, from just seeing really, really hard scenarios, um, going through identity theft for myself, there's a lot of things that I've had to learn a lot. And it's also, there's also a lot of things that I've had to see people go through because we want like this immediate fix it, fix it, fix it, like pancake batter for our money problems. And that's not, that's not really the root of what's going on. And so just know it, credit cards could be the same evil. And Michelle goes into talking about this, how credit cards, you know, with some people, they'll start charging stuff to their credit card, not even knowing how they're going to pay things back. So now you're stuck with this really high revolving balance. And there's going to be certain terms that I use. So if you guys don't understand something, just let me know in the comments. What does that mean, Francis? It's okay. Some of this is new for some people and some of this is not. So revolving. So let's, and we're going to talk about this in another chapter, but just for sake of an example, a revolving line of credit is exactly as the word implies. It's revolving, meaning as you pay it, you can continually use it. So installment means once you pay it and you pay it off, you're done. Revolving is continuous, like a door, right? Think of a revolving door. As you pay it, you could keep using it. And so what people do is they'll be charging on credit cards, charging on credit cards, charging on credit cards, and it's revolving and they have no idea how they're going to pay it. They just know that they can keep up with the minimum payment, uh, the 40% the payment, whatever kind of payment that they're making. But the truth is that's still risky. And a lot of people, again, out of desperation, we don't turn to God or to our source, whatever you consider your spiritual source to be for that wisdom, for that help. And the Bible says that we need to honor our word and pay our debts, yet people are still charging their credit cards, they're still getting the payday loans, and they have no idea how they're going to pay these things off. And scripture repeatedly is warning us of taking out these debts, taking out these debts and not paying them. Scripture also calls us to be the lender and not the borrower. And we'll talk about that in the chapter of lending. But we need to get to a place where we understand, man, I don't want to have a, a huge pile of debt and not even know where I'm going to begin to be able to start to pay it off. Is anybody there with me? Like, I'm just not in a season anymore that I want to make bad money decisions. Now, does that mean I'm going to be perfect? No, but it's going to mean that most of the time I want to be mindful. I want to make valuable money decisions. I want to make money decisions that are going to last for more than my daughter's kids' kids. And a lot of times there are certain experiences that we go through that Honestly, you had to go through them to get to your rock bottom place. And when we get to the chapter about debt, I'm going to be sharing really transparent numbers of my own. Um, I will tell you guys in the last probably two years, I've gotten rid of a lot of debt, like 50, 60, it might even be 70,000. I'm going to do all the numbers the day before the debt chapter. But 
it ha- it doesn't come easy. I don't shop for myself. I don't like go on shopping sprees and do all this cool, cute stuff. Okay. It's like hunkered down, laser focused. I know my numbers down to the pennies <laughs> and just know that you can start wherever you are. So Michelle then goes into talking about how on the pursuit of prosperity for people, they often like what the, what the world will teach you a lot of times will take you away from God. And she gives an example about honestly, something that hit home for me, not that this was the reason I ever lived with someone, but it's true. She says how sometimes Christian men and women will room up and live together for the sake of saving money when they know that it's against God's plan. And they do it anyway so that they can have more money. But then they wonder why they're broke or they wonder why God is not fulfilling his promises to them. Well, we don't hold up our end of the bargain. Like what the what? And it's like that even with our debts. We know we're called to pay our debts. So we get into this cycle of not paying our debts. And then magically, we just think that God is supposed to fulfill his promises when we don't even do our part. And so this is such a perfect time to transition into the broken commandments that she mentions in day two. And she talks about wanting to have us journal. And so if you haven't gone through day two, this will be something you do. But she goes into talking about journaling out all the things you do or have done that are preventing you from being prosperous. And I won't go too much into detail about the assignment because we're going to get to that in just a moment. But what commandments that you know you're called to be obedient to are you breaking? Are you not keeping up your end? Right? And some examples are going to be the ones that I'm going to go over that she covers. So the first one that she goes over is God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, right? From Exodus 28. What she has seen is attending large churches with members where you could barely have a seat, right? She talked about her and her family, how they had like this, um, uh, like an overflow area because the church was so big and there were so many members and her and her family would normally like they wouldn't get there super early. And so they would have to sit in like the OR section, which they labeled it OR for overflow regulars because her and her family would always not be the earliest. So they would have to sit in that overflow area. And what she talked about was how You know, in Exodus 28, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. She talked about that the times of the year that they are able to get plenty of seats is the Sunday around Christmas time or right before Christmas time because people are out shopping, right? During the holiday season where they could get seats because so many people skip the service to go shopping, And she just talks about like, how sad is it that we've gotten so consumed, right? In this consumerism, in this spend, 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 buy, buy, buy cycle that 
you forget about, you know, I have this saying that I say, and I probably heard it from someone else and I'm sorry for whoever it belongs to, but I give you credit, whoever you are. Um, but there's a saying that says, um, and you may not believe in Christmas, so this might not apply to you, but for those of us that maybe celebrate Christmas is that the gift is not in presents, like physical presents wrapped up cute, haha, go shopping, but in his presence, right? The gift is not in the presence, but in his presence. And that's exactly what she's trying to get to when she says what the word says in Exodus, which is remember the day of Sabbath by keeping it holy and just how sad it was to see that there were so many empty seats the weekend service before Christmas because people are out shopping for the presents and not there for the presents, right? And so another one that she goes into is honor your father and mother. And ooh, chow. This one right here is probably one that gets under my skin the most. I have to pray to not be judgmental. I have to pray to make sure I'm checking myself. Because in Exodus 20, 12, it says, honor your mother and father. Granted, everyone has different relationships with their parents. I'm not here to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. We all have to answer one day. But she goes on to, to say that she often gets letters. What's up, you guys? I see you hopping on. Shout out to you coming on on this beautiful Monday night. Forget evening. It's nighttime, okay? Okay. She talks about how she gets letters from parents about their adult children and literally word for word, she says this, they're, they're nearly broke bailing out their trifling children. Come through Michelle, cause somebody had to say it. They're bailing out their trifling children. And a lot of times adult children will run back home to save money or to, to pay down debt or student loans or whatever. And that's part of it. But most times it's because they fail to handle their money properly. And now I want to interject briefly and just add into what Michelle is saying. I also feel like it's a lack of education for some of these now adults who never had financial literacy. They never had financial education. They never had anyone teaching them how to handle money. So now they're out in the real world being little reckless trifling children, like she calls them. And now they're spending wild. And then they come home because they couldn't handle their financial responsibilities. And now the ones that she's referring to that are trifling are the ones that aren't paying rent, aren't paying utilities, aren't paying bills for food, and they just want to spend their money on the things they want to spend it for. But you just came back home because you couldn't handle your money. So why are you buying things? I'm confused, right? And so she is explaining like, man, I understand that some adults are recommended to come move back home, get out of debt, you know, purchase your home or whatever. But it and that makes economic sense, right? For a, a student who just graduated that maybe is heavily financially burdened by student loans. Y'all, my degree was $89,000. I get it. But 
she's talking about moving back into your parents' house as an adult is not a license for you to go take advantage of them. And a lot of trifling adult children are running around here going to take advantage of their parents, who, by the way, a lot of times are on Social Security. So how do you feel taking your parents' Social Security money? What? So I digress. But just know that if there is somebody in your life like that who's doing that, check them. We have this saying in our community, uh, get around people that love you enough to check you. To tell you when you're tripping, when you're being trifling. Okay. So another one from Exodus 2014, God says you shall not commit adultery. So in this section... I follow someone by the name of Matt Rosa who says, if it's things is for you, if it's things is because there's a wound in there that still needs to be disinfected. Okay. But she talks about how people that commit adultery cheat, right? Let's just call them cheat bags, right? She talks about how they don't even realize the impact of the abandonment that happens and then financial burden that's inherited from that situation. And I want to share this statistic, aside from the sexual immorality of adultery, this, this sin can ruin a family financially and increase the cost to society. Divorce costs U.S. taxpayers, y'all, this number is disgusting. Divorce costs U.S. taxpayers $112 billion each year, according to one study commissioned by four groups. And the four groups are listed there. I'm not going to read them out. She credited her sources, okay? But the truth is, and this is why I'm so passionate about women. Men, no offense if you're doing this fast with us. We love you. But women, when you go through the divorce, and I talked about this on a personal live that I did, we will experience a 27% decline in our standard of living because now women who lack education who lack financial literacy, are now financially burdened to be the sole provider financially in their life. So if you're the adulterer or the person cheating, you might want to think about the abandonment that comes with that. We need, might need to work out some things with God right there, okay? The next one is from Exodus 2015, you shall not steal. And I love the example that she used, the IRS, Uncle Sam, Big Tony, whatever you want to call them. She said, too many Christians included people, but Christians too. They don't even realize that not reporting all their income to the IRS is like stealing. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just sharing what she shared. <laughs> Because it's such a, like, what we might consider a simple example. But when you say, oh, I'm not going to report that. We're just going to see if they're going to find out. That's stealing, right? We and, and the crazy thing is, like, until I did the financial fast for the first time, I'm going to keep it real with y'all. I didn't even, like, I wouldn't have thought about it like that. I would not have thought about it like that. <laughs> Big perm, yes. Whatever you would have called them. Big, I'm going to come take all your money, okay? Big, I'm going to garnish them checks. Um, But 
honestly, when I first did the financial fast, I would have never looked at taxes like that. Like, oh, I mean, when you explain it and you say it out loud, duh, it makes sense. It is stealing that you're not reporting your income, right? And I, we're not even going to get to being in a place of negativity or judging people. But like, you know, I've seen situations where people are like reporting daycares that their kids never went to, but it's not my business because we're not judging anybody. We're just saying taxes are one of those things where people just are not mindful and it's stealing, right? So cheating on your taxes, basically she's saying is the same as stealing, which I, I agree. I agree. Look, when I owe the IRS money, which is typically every year, I... I take take whatever you said I owe you. Let me let me just look at the numbers real quick. Mm, that looks that looks about right. Okay, how do I pay you? Check, phone, payment plan. How we doing this? But I'm gonna give you all your money because I don't want no problems at all. Not with them. You don't ignore it. They don't even call you anyways. <laughs> They're gonna send you a letter. That's how you know it's real. So the next one is. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this one because this one, I feel like we've all been guilty of in some way, shape, or form. And I want to, I want to share this because man, comparison is truly a thief. It really is a thief. So she, she starts to talk about coveting, right? And I want to break down just simply what, what that word means in a very simple way. So to covet, right? C-O-V-E-T. <laughs> spiritually, I don't want no smoke, girl. I don't want no smoke spiritually or in real life on that letter that says IRS real big, okay? I don't want none. So to covet, covet means to yearn, like to want, right? What someone else possesses, basically. Or, or has. And this one is, it, it, it hits home for a lot of people, excuse me, because she says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That's from Exodus 20, 17. And so the commandment calls us to not covet. But what Michelle has seen is a lot of people breaking this commandment. They want so badly what other people have, right? They want to buy houses they can't afford. Just because the Joneses got a house, now the Browns want to go get a bigger house. And now the Thompsons want to go get the biggest house. Not realizing that the Birkenheimers down the road have the biggest of the biggest houses, okay? And we give in to like that covetous nature because we live in a very, I mean, we live in a worldly place. Hello, we are, we're living in the world, but we don't need to be of this world, right? So it all, she also says that we give in to like this covetous nature of children that she, she uses the example of who in their right mind will buy their kids sneakers that cost over a hundred dollars but not have a penny saved up for their college education. And, you know, if you come from similar backgrounds as me, you guys, that was our truth. I love my mother to death, y'all. But if you know me through high school, 
I had every new Jordan knocking, okay? I would even go to, and here's here's what I would do because I was so into the sneakers and all the things that I would get my Jordans in New York two weeks before they came out in Pennsylvania where I went to high school. And now looking back, I'm like, dang, that's my truth right there. That line right there, buying your kids sneakers that cost more than a hundred dollars and don't have a penny for their education. When it came time for me to go to college, I didn't have college money. I had to figure that part out with her tax papers. And again, I love my mom, but even if you ask her with what she knows now, she's like, I should have done way less in that materialistic aspect and done way more in other areas. They were doing the best with what they thought they knew, right? And so if you're if you're doing this fast, if you're paying attention to day two, this is our chance to do better. This is our chance to do better. Kids should not have over $100 sneakers on, but you have no life insurance. So when you die, are we going to sell the, the, the Jordans and, and put the money up in the GoFundMe? I'm, I'm not sure. What are we doing? And we so we got to take that more serious because... This commandment even calls us to not covet. Teach your kids that there's more value outside of the newest shoe. And she says she sees it all the time. She sees it all the time. Where people have their kids just because a kid wants a sneaker that another kid has that the parent goes right along and gets what the kids want. And I know from experience, I used to do that. And I feel terrible now that I know better. Be like, Ma, can please can I get the please can I just get the elevens? Ma, please, I get good grades. I got straight A's. Like I was trifling, trifling. Now looking back, right? You don't know what you don't know. But then once you know, you need to do. You need to be. You need to become. Oh, girl, I don't buy Jordans either now. Hecky nah. Jordan already secured his bag. Okay. Jordan secured his wealth. Long, long wealth. While people out here with his Jordans on and they don't have life insurance. And so we got to take this more serious. So when we know better, right, when we learn what God says about coveting and when we learn better, we have to do better. Because to know and, and to not do is if to not know at all. So now that we know we're going to do, we're going to become over time and get better because now we know better. So we're going to do better. And so she, she wraps up by saying, you know, if you want the prosperity that God promises, listen up, you guys, if you want the the prosperity that God promises, you have to believe that he's going to supply all your needs. And sometimes go back to the example of the extreme things that we do sometimes, payday loans, title loans, loans from your cousin at the barbecue, wherever you took the loan from. We revert to our own thinking, our own understanding, instead of knowing that hands down, he's going to supply our every need. And the Bible teaches us that in Philippians specifically, that he's going to meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory. That's in 419, by the way, if you wanted the actual scripture, maybe you don't have the book. 
but that's a promise that you can rely on. And can I be real with somebody on the line? Let me know. Cause y'all know when I get real, a deep passion right here, I got to let it out. Let me know if I could keep it real with y'all. <sighs> I might watch my words, but if it hurts your feelings, I promise I really love you. Okay. Some of us have a hard time believing God's promise and knowing that we can rely on God's promise. But we out here hmm, taking Jason's promise from down the street that he's going to marry us and give us the big ring and the nice house with the big fence. Or we're taking the promise that the job is going to give us the raise. And we're here like, I only got 60 cents last year. You're going to give me $3 this year, please. Right? Or we're waiting on this promise of this new weight loss pill we just ordered that's going to help us lose 800 pounds in two days. And we took it day two and we're like, oh, the label says. But you don't want to believe the one promise you need to believe. Which is that you can rely on God, that what he promises for prosperity for you is true. Yet we're out here in the world just... Believe in everybody. Somebody tells you that crypto is dead and that you should exit all your stock market positions. And you're like, oh, sell, 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 sell. What? I'm just saying somebody had to hear it because they're hearing this part of the fast and they're like, well, God's not promising any prosperity, girl. I'm still broke. Mm. It might need, it might take time, you know, it might take you changing. It might take your habits changing. You might need some new knowledge in the fast. Because honestly, you still believing Jason down the street and it been 19 years, you know. So I just wanted to put that out there because. And y'all know, y'all know I joke It's part of my personality, but it's serious. Like we got to know that. It, he. It, in that, in the word, it focuses on our needs, not our wants, okay? So you may want a million dollars right now today because you're going to pay everything off and bless everybody you love. But he's going to give you your needs first. What do you actually need? You might need some wisdom. You might need to finish this financial fast like you said you would. But not your wants. You might want those Louboutin shoes, but do you got life insurance yet? Right. And there's some order to these to some of these things. And so um, if, if she just wraps up with if you want. If you want God's promise of prosperity, you have to act in the ways that are consistent with God's principles so that you're prepared to receive his riches. And that's actually really good news, because what are you guys doing right now in the 21 day financial fast? You are here to learn the principles so that you're ready to receive, right? Or is it just me? Because I'm here like God, <laughs> I receiveth, okay? Cometh with the sauce. So if you're with me, drop an eight in the chat because I know what I'm here for. I don't know what you're here for, but I hope it's that you're here to act on, on the ways consistently is the key word. And learn the principles that you need to learn so that you're open and ready to receive. I see those eights. Let's go. So let's wrap up with a testimony because this was a good testimony, y'all. I had some things to say, too. I got a little note on my book. I didn't buy coffee today. Girl, I'm so proud of you because I, 
Olive Garden was, that was just Satan sending text messages today. Because it said, today's National Pasta Day. First of all, who made that up? Somebody who likes pasta. Hello. Because I do. I would have made that up. Somebody thought about it before me. But I love carbs. And if you go back to my old pictures, you can tell I really like carbs. So, day two's testimony. I'm going to just read it because it's really good and I don't want to leave anything out. So, day two's testimony is... My aha moment came when I had when I said to Michelle that I felt like a failure because I couldn't afford to buy a house. Y'all, somebody needs to hear this testimony because I'm about to break this house thing down for you. I just couldn't understand how at my age and with my education and salary, I still couldn't afford to own my home. I thought the American somebody got to read this. I thought the American dream was to go to college get a good job, get married, have kids, and buy your own home. Well, I knew the husband wasn't coming anytime soon, so I thought I could alter the dream a little and go for home ownership on my own. But the market in my area makes buying a house cost prohibitive. However, so many others I knew were purchasing homes. I felt ashamed and embarrassed because I was just renting. When I told Michelle how I felt, she looked at me and said, you are not a failure. She said homeownership is only one way to build wealth. And while it is a good thing, it's not for everyone. After that, I finally accepted that it was okay that I had not bought a home. Thank you for freeing me from my feelings of failure. You have definitely been a blessing to me and my savings account. Let me let y'all know something right now real quick. Homeownership has been the most lied about thing in our country. If you have a mortgage, you do not own your home. No shade. I'm not saying that home ownership is bad. It, it's good with strategy. I'm not saying that you shouldn't strive for that. That's one of the desires of your heart. I'm not saying that you can't have that as a goal. But what I am saying is as long as you have a mortgage, and if you don't believe me, try missing four or five mortgage payments. They're coming to get the house. So the world has taught us this idea, go to school, get the degree, get a good job so you can buy a house that's next to the Joneses, but then you look down the street and the Browns got a bigger house. Now you feel bad, so you want to go live where the Davises live, and now you realize that, that that's their 20th property, and now you just did all that for what? So you got to make sure that when you want these kind of things that you have the right intention. Because if your intention is just to say, oh, yeah, I'm buying a house. Do you want that? Like some people don't want that. I'm going to keep it real. In our house, we've just grown a lot over the last two years. We have different desires now. We're focused on being investors. So we want like buildings and really cool investment properties. We don't care to say, oh, hey, guys, we just got the keys to our own house. No, that's not what we want. And so I want you to hear her testimony and ask yourself, have I ever felt shame, guilt, embarrassment, any of that around feeling like, dang, everybody's in their late 30s buying houses, having kids. And here I am, you know, <laughs> I work at the, you know, I don't, I'm going to make up a, a job, but I work at the front office. You know, I like my job. My coworkers are cool. You know, the apartment building I live in is nice. They come fix things when I call. If, if, if you're okay with that, don't let anybody make you feel like you're supposed to be buying a house. 
Because truth be told, most people struggle to get a down payment. They struggle when something breaks, like a $5,000 or $7,000 water heater. They default on property taxes. So it, it's not it's not good or bad, honestly. It's you got to figure out what you want, what desires God has planted in your heart, and maybe homeownership is not one of them. I have a friend in my life that she's like, I don't want kids. Like, <laughs> I love everybody's kids, but I don't want kids. They're expensive. Ugh, it just, it's not for me. Who am I to tell her that, 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 that that's selfish or that she should want kids? No, not everyone is meant to be a parent. And so this testimony by Cassandra was so powerful because it shows the real power of what happens if we let the worldly stuff creep in too much and make us think, that we should be doing things in a certain order and full transparency. There was a time in my life where I felt like, Oh man, you know, we should be getting married right now. But really it was kind of like on whose measuring stick we got a date. Like, are, am I going to expire in 2027? 20, and I don't know it like, no. And there was things that I had to learn in that season about making sure that I don't get caught up in wanting something just because I see it around me or just because other people say that it should be in accordance to insert whatever that is for you. And that's how Cassandra was feeling with home ownership. And I know a lot of people feel like that because I had that experience with wanting to be a homeowner before. And then truth be told, I just didn't really understand the numbers. And then when I saw the numbers, I was like, oh, nah, mm -mm. how much the rent is going up? <laughs> it ain't for me right now. Not because you can't make the sacrifices to make it happen, but it's not for everyone. And so I, I hope that that helps you. I hope that that just gives you some relief in knowing that you don't have to want the same things as everybody else. Your desires are not meant to mirror mine or anyone else's for that matter. So in the daily assignment, your assignment, and I'm going to post the assignment right under this video. Um, your assignment is, is the 10 commandments are listed below. So your job is to answer these questions for yourself and don't lie, okay? God is watching you, first of all. I don't even have to watch you. God is watching you. But you're going to answer these questions and you need to answer them in a from a perspective of, have I broken this commandment in ways that have left me broke? And then, have I ignored a commandment and been robbed of, a fi of financial peace? After each commandment, are some additional questions to consider. You don't have to answer all the questions, but read through and see which ones most apply to you. Write your responses in your journal. So you got to make sure you do the assignment, right? This is the part where you do the work. <laughs> and I'm going to list off the commandments real quick, but I'm not going to go through every single question. The assignment will be in the comments for you guys. And if you have the book, you definitely have it. But the commandments, you shall not have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Idolatry, right? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Y'all remember all them Christmas shoppers that Michelle was talking about. Mm -mm -mm. They miss churches to go shopping. Then you have honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. Hopefully none of you on the line are murderers. I'm not judging you, but that's between you and God. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Ooh, there's some gossipers in the house. I'm not saying like in this house. I'm just saying in general, because that's what that's referring to, right? Not speaking ill on someone else. Um, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Hopefully you're not coveting your neighbor's wife because that's awkward, right? <laughs> or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. But like, y'all, if y'all read the Bible, look, there was some crazy stuff going on back in the day. So I understand why these commandments are here. So I hope that you guys got value from this. Thank you so much for sticking it out with day two with me. Thank you for being flexible with your time. I'm grateful to be here with you guys. Make sure you drop your questions or if you heard anything today that really resonated for you, that maybe you're like, man, that's me. And like, I'm kind of a little embarrassed to drop it in the chat feel free to message me. I will try to guide or help in whatever capacity I can. Uh, if I don't have the answer, somebody in my wealth community has the answer. I'm just keeping it real with you. There's thousands of us. But the real, the, the biggest truth right now is you got to do the work. Make sure you read day two. Make sure you do your assignment. I'll catch you guys tomorrow on day three. You already know I'm going to post something throughout the day tomorrow. And as soon as we end this live, I'll put the assignment in the comments for you, but thank you for coming. Make sure you tag the money friend and I will catch you guys tomorrow on day three of the 21 day financial fast, which is going to be God's generosity. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. Bye guys. Have an amazing night. Mindset money and more is going to be a weekly podcast where I'll be sharing tips, strategies, interviewing amazing guests from all around the world that are amazing at what they do and also be sending you out tips personally to help you along your journey because after all any area that you want to experience increase in is going to require you working on your mindset my hope is to really bring my passion and my expertise especially when it comes to financial services and helping others develop so that i can really empower educate and help lead others into their next level of increase. Follow me on social media at Mindset Money and More or at www.mindsetmoneymore.com and feel free to subscribe, rate, and comment on all podcast apps.